Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here. Very happy to be joined today by Rebecca Mendoza, who is the lead faculty for accounting at Palo Alto College in San Antonio, Texas. Rebecca, welcome to Trending in Education. Thank you for having me. You reached out. You were talking about your story, where you fit in your professional career. You're someone who's probably earlier in your career than most of the folks I've had on the show, which is why I was really happy that you reached out because, you know, we claim to care about diversity and inclusion on the show. And <laughs> one of the dimensions we should be thinking about is how old people are, whether they belong to a generation, whether those generation things make sense or not. We all are we're at different stages in our lives. We always begin by hearing our guests' origin stories. Can you catch us up on how you got to this point in your professional life? Yeah. So I received my bachelor's and master's degrees in accounting. And my mindset was, okay, I'm going to just go into corporate and it's not going to be a big deal. I'm going to be great. Decided that I did not like sitting behind a desk for eight plus hours a day without talking to human beings, which I'm sure as you met me, you were thinking, oh yeah, she has to teach accounting because I just look like that kind of person and have that kind of personality. And decided that on a whim, kind of, that, okay, I'm just going to apply for an adjunct position at my local community college and see what happens because I have the qualifications. And I came in for an interview and the lead faculty at that point, her name is Dr. Salinas, she saw something in me and gave me the position. I had no teaching experience. I have a nonprofit organization that I work with, SpecEd and General Ed Together through dance. And she said, you know what, if you can do that, you can do this. And now she's the chair of our department and she still kind of feeds into me and teaches me things. And I honestly owe everything to her because she saw something in me and she saw my enthusiasm and she wanted me to, you know, explore that a little bit because we do need younger ideas coming into higher ed because it's just been a older game for a while. And we wanted to talk about that as part of the conversation because you're teaching folks who are closer to your age. Exactly. You're exploring using new and emerging media in ways that are reaching quote unquote Gen Z. This is where we were talking like you may be on the cusp between a millennial and a Gen Z, but as a Gen X or a so-called Gen X, because I say whatever to all this generational stuff, because that's what we do as Gen Xers. Maybe it's all a load of hooey, but you are one of the rising generations. You're entering your the early stages of your career into the complexity and you know turmoil of the last few years. And then you've you've discovered a calling, a passion, a real drive to teach people and to teach them accounting, which is something yep. that is typically characterized as boring. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely. You know, something you kind of zone out for. Can you talk a little bit about how you're coming into this stage in your career, what your goals are, what your, your yeah. mindset's like? Yeah. So I mentioned on a whim, I've decided I might as well try. And if they say no, then at least I tried. And I think that's just like a post-COVID kind of mindset now because I just... I'm like not scared anymore of failure. Yeah, yeah. I decided to submit a proposal for a national conference and I posted the, instead of micro lectures, which is huge in higher ed right now, Yeah, micro lectures are still five to seven minutes. And I thought still that's way too long, especially for Gen Z. 
And so posting on TikTok where it's 60 seconds or less would be more beneficial for their mindset because they're more likely to continue to scroll and keep going and five minutes has passed and they don't even realize it rather than sitting in front of a video that's five minutes long and they're thinking, oh my God, this is still going. So tricking their minds. And so I'm excited that I actually got the acceptance for that proposal, thinking that it would never happen because I'm not an established professor and I don't have reviews done and all the things. So I feel like walking in there, I may be the youngest, which I've already had to tackle. And I've already had to establish myself as someone that is a professional in this field because I am. And I do have a funny story though. I actually taught an MBA course last semester in the spring and I walked in. Every single one of my students was older than me. Yeah. Every single one. And so when I walked in, they're thinking, whose little sister is this? Like, who who gave her the right to come in here? And so once I started speaking, I think they understood where I was coming from because they realized, okay, she doesn't know what she's talking about. But that first class, man, I was shaking. I was thinking, there's no way I can do this. And you talked about the (laughs) imposter syndrome. Yeah. As something. Yeah. And can you talk more about that, especially maybe as it relates to early in your career, you frequently are going to be the youngest person in the room, the least experienced. And to actually gain that experience, you almost have to step through that fear and and kind of inhabit that person you want to become. Yeah, I feel like honestly, it's fake it till you make it. And it's not so much that I don't know what I'm talking about. It's just the confidence behind it. That's the fake it part. Because I feel like when you walk into a classroom and you're looking at your students and they're thinking, oh my God, this, this professor is young. They're, she's either going to one, be the easiest class I've ever had because she's my age. Yeah. Or two, she doesn't know what she's talking about. And so automatically walking in, we just, and we just started class this week. Mm-hmm. So walking in, I was very excited and I love what I do. So every single lecture that I give is very much like how we're talking now. Like I'm yeah. very enthusiastic about it because I want them to learn. But yeah, imposter syndrome is real. And I didn't realize it until I taught that MBA course and I was thinking, oh my God, I do have these qualifications. Oh my goodness, I am actually doing this in real life. And it's something that I could have never imagined pre-COVID. And now post-COVID, I'm thinking, okay, what can't I do now? And I want to prove that I can do that. I think walking in and having that confidence going in, even if you have to fake it, at some point you're tricking your mind into thinking, okay, I I actually can do this. So I'm just going. And one thing I do find as I've gotten older is I get better at failing. So when you try that thing that is hard for you and you realize failing is not actually the end of your life, you know, we exaggerate how terrible that experience would be. It's the whole spotlight effect, you know, frequently when we miss on our own expectations, no one even notices, Mm -hmm. but it can be really damaging to folks who are so invested of their self-esteem on everything going perfectly, Yeah, which is really hard. And then in addition to powering through the imposter syndrome professionally, you also have done that on TikTok. You have figured (laughs) out how to power through. It probably helps being in your twenties. I would imagine for me that the imposter syndrome hurdle would be is larger because I've never been there. So it's more likely I will fail. I mentioned Miss Excel. I feel like you could be the Miss Excel of accounting, of finance, but like you're kind of exploring that space a little bit. Yeah. So I absolutely going into TikTok, it took me a long time to actually post my first video because I was thinking to myself, this is so dumb. Why would I do this? 
why would I set myself up for failure or ridicule or troll? And the more that I did it and the more that I started presenting on it here at my college in our district and some local conferences, the more I realized that people are actually interested in this. And this could be the next way that we do teach Gen Z. And I found that my students, before I had done any of this TikTok stuff, that they did okay. But after I did the TikTok stuff, they did so much better. And so now they're realizing that, yes, I am a human being instead of just being like this gold standard that I think when you walk into a college classroom, you're thinking, oh, this person is perfect. They have so much academia behind them. Like they can't be touched. And so I try to, you know, explore that a little bit on TikTok, not just with teaching, because I do try to make it fun in those bite-sized 60 seconds. But I also try and show a little bit of my personality and what I've been through because I don't want them to feel like I'm this gold standard because I'm not, I'm a human being. And I also have failed a class before. So I know what that feels like. (laughs) Yeah. It takes me back to when you're walking into that class and folks are probably right around your age, maybe a little bit older, and you're trying to get through to them. The fact that you have a TikTok presence is something that makes you a lot more accessible. And then folks think if she figured this out, I could figure it out. Two, so in addition to all the complexity around new media formats emerging, there's also the complexity of the ever-changing job market that folks are struggling with, benefiting from. There's the great resignation. You're someone who's really getting your career started. You were in your early stage of your career when 2020 and the pandemic and all the turmoil we've seen over the last few years has hit. Can you explain? what it's been like entering into your career years through the tumult of the pandemic? Yeah. So this is my third year teaching. My very first year was January, 2020. I started for two months and then we were to be changed to Zoom and no one knew what was going on. And I do have to give it to my district that they did extremely well in transitioning us online. It was a lot smoother than I expected, but no one expected a pandemic, right? Where we would be forced to stay in our houses and just communicate with technology. A lot of, and a lot of professors here tend to be older. So there was a learning curve for that. This is the first semester since then that we started face-to-face. So being here for my first day and actually seeing my students face-to-face was weird because I was thinking, you know, I'm used to doing our entrance on Zoom, maybe not seeing the student's face right away. And then we have a few weeks where we do Zoom and then we come in and it's face-to-face where we don't come in at all because we have to be on Zoom. That was definitely a huge learning curve for me. I feel I feel like I was a little bit more comfortable because I am younger and I can somewhat get around technology. There was a little bit of an ease knowing that, okay, I can handle this. And we have seen the significant drops in enrollment. And now we are just starting to go back up again. Definitely taking a toll on higher ed in general. And I think it caused people to question, like, do I actually need schooling? Especially in the area that we're in, where we have a big cycle of poverty. And so... They're thinking, oh, I need to just go into work because my family needs this now, rather than thinking, can I invest myself into this education before I go into the workforce, knowing that I have this education behind me and that I'm able to 
either help my family a little bit more than I would have without this education. And then I wanted to get a little more at the relevance of accounting. Can you characterize a bit the types of folks who are taking your accounting courses? And then we can kind of get at how you make, how you connect that audience with why accounting and some of the stuff that you're teaching is important. So a lot of my students are from this part of San Antonio, which is the Southern part. There is a lot of low-income areas here in South San Antonio. And so being able to be a educator here at PAC is really eye-opening because I went to private school my entire life. Mm. I, my parents, they, they have pushed education on me since I was little because my mom is just, was a spec ed teacher for almost four years. All my yeah. aunts taught. And Coming here was eye-opening because I realized that these students have a set of challenges that I never had. So being able to understand where they're coming from and being open to learn from them has been a huge part of teaching. I didn't want to come in and say, hey, no, this is right because I say it's right. I want to understand where they're coming from because that makes me a better educator. So I think understanding that sometimes they have to take on two jobs or sometimes they have to be the one that takes care of their grandparents or their parents because their parents can't work for whatever reason is a huge part of teaching accounting too. And I walk in first day all the time and I say, every single part of business is centered around accounting. And I say that because I want them to understand that this class is relevant. This class is something that they can take and actually use at home and understand, hey, okay, if I do want to get into accounting or even if I want to get into human resources or marketing or anything like that, at least I have this class in my belt to know what's going on around me. And that yeah. I just want them to be successful for the future. That's my goal. That's mm-hmm. why I'm here. Yeah. When you were talking, it made me think about the skills-based movement and how accounting and teaching it, it is something that is formally taught in higher education, but it is also something that is a very measurable set of skills and competencies that are directly relevant to being employable and having a a nice career path available to you. Can you describe what that aspect of the educational conversation is like for you? Are you trying to communicate the relevance of the skills and the dynamics of the job market, even as you're teaching concepts. And then similarly are, you know, I'm curious about TikTok and how you make stuff short bite size. But when you do that, are, are you trying to use examples that make it relevant? Cause it does feel relevance is a term that comes up a lot. And it's one that I think yeah. is particularly important when you're talking about the population you're trying to reach. So I think first and foremost, to make it relevant is to show them real life situations. And so even just the basics of accounting is a transaction. What is a transaction? Something that we give and something that we receive. So I will do basic transactions with them. I'm like, what does this mean? And even so, accounting is so good for the education side, but accounting is so good as an adult in general. I think there is so much misunderstanding about accounting is just a course that I need to take to get this associate's degree versus this can actually help me and my family in real life. And so what I'm trying to do is not just talk about the relevance of what it could be in a career, Mm. but also the relevance that you can, you know, potentially take your family out of the cycle of poverty. So I'm trying to get them excited about it to not just continue and finish their associates, but go on to their bachelor's, maybe go on to their master's. And I have students at the end of every semester, and this is my favorite thing in the whole entire world, 
is that they come to me and they say, Miss Mendoza, I changed my major to accounting. Mm. And it, it blows my mind because I'm thinking, okay, like they saw something in me. They saw something in themselves yeah. that they are just excited about and they feel like they can do this. And I know that they can do this. And I think also having that background of trying to finish the CPA, <laughs> pray for me, is exciting for them to know that I do struggle and I come in some days and I'm like, you guys, I was up really late studying last night. Just bear with me. And they just know, they're like, you know, Miss Minos, you've got this, you can do this. And to know that I'm their biggest cheerleader, they are also my biggest cheerleader that I'm going through this because I am young. We're all going through things. And I realized that coming into PAC that... My struggles may not be their struggles, but we're all going through something. And so I don't like to hide when I'm going through something from them because I want them to know that I'm always honest with them and I'm always transparent with them. And I try to take this kind of energy and put it onto TikTok. And sometimes I'm just very awkward on TikTok and I don't know what it is. And I try, I really try, but just knowing that I get messages from students outside of my state mm. and throughout the United States that say, I wish my professor taught like you did, or I appreciate your videos mm. or even getting like some applause from professionals in accounting yeah. that blows my mind. And they're like, you're doing great. Keep doing what you're doing. That part of me is like, again, imposter syndrome. Cause it's like, is this real life? Am I truly able to talk about what I'm talking about? Yeah. You know, and I have to remind myself, yes, I am the expert in my field. This is why I'm teaching this subject. And you become more expert at communicating about this stuff as well. There's a big movement around science communication, but there's also a big movement around financial literacy and exactly. life skills. And mm -hmm. that's where I do see some crossover potential yeah. outside of higher ed and then also moving back into K-12 and lifelong learning, you know, like there are mm. programs around financial literacy for seniors that are, are really important. And I'd like to get a little bit of your perspective on that. And then I'd also like to understand a little better, specifically around TikTok, does accounting just lend itself to boiling it down to those tighter little elements? Because 60 seconds is not a lot of time to cover a complex concept. Yeah. So you almost need to do some more thinking, more instructional design, more design thinking to make sure you can actually hit it in that tight a period of time. So let me ask you, did you know how to do taxes when you were in high school? No. That's why we need financial literacy. Did you know how to balance a checkbook? Eh, kind of, yeah, yeah. Okay. I didn't know. I didn't know how to write a check. That's the generation that I'm in. I didn't know how to write a check. I had to Google that. And, my, and the only reason I had to learn is because our pest control guy that my parents use, yeah. he is in his 80s and only uses checks. Sure. And so my mom was like, here's the checkbook. He's going to come. And I'm thinking, I don't know how to write a check. Why would I know how to do that? I learned in third grade, maybe, but yeah. I've never been a while. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm Googling it and I'm thinking, oh, this has to be right. This looks right. Yeah. But that's as far as I think checks were going. But also like having a savings account, how to open a bank account, basic things like that, how to build a savings, just a general savings account, potentially going into the market. And I'm learning more about the stock market yeah. right now because I want to be able to teach more about it. Yeah. I feel like that's super important, but I also want people to be setting themselves up for life. I don't want them to be crumbling in credit card debt in student loans. I want them to be able to get out of that. Yeah. And that's such a huge point right mm -hmm. now, right? In higher ed. But TikTok, have you seen my TikTok? 
I haven't. No. Okay. So (laughs) I'm professor accounting. I essentially will go through what we're learning for the week. So this week we just touched base on financial statements, how they feed into one another. Uh So I have a video in 60 seconds showing what we take from each financial statement Mm -hmm. so that it feeds into one another. Nice. I start with the income statement. It goes into the statement of retained earnings. Statement of retained earnings goes into the balance sheet is checked out with the statement of cash flows. And so I'm very visual. So I show all of this and I try to touch on all those senses, seeing, hearing, doing. And you, you mentioned dance. Is there any movement? That's there is some movement. Yeah, I think. I finally did my students last semester. Gosh, they had me do one of the TikTok trends. Uh-huh. And it was the Lizzo dance. Oh, sure. Lord. And that's the funny thing is, I danced professionally at one point yeah. at a theme park. Right. And I took dance for probably 12, 14 years. And yeah. now I try to do a TikTok dance and it's terrifying. Right. Terrifying. Oh, yeah. No, I and that's one reason why you should do TikTok. So you right. can do those dances. Yeah. Right, my- well, it could show the, the flow <laughs> through the financial documents. Uh, you know, there could be moves. <laughs> You know, getting to that cash flow statement takes work. That's a good idea, though. Let's just make interpretive dancing, but accounting interpretive dancing. Done and done. That's what winning feels like. (laughs) So looking ahead, you know, you're you got plenty of life ahead of you. And that should include continued career growth. You're doing amazing stuff already. But where do you see things headed? You sound like someone who's passionate about a career in education. Teaching has really unlock something for you, where do you see the world heading and how do you think about how you you might sit? Yeah, so I'm actually shadowing my chair right now for her position. Okay. I see myself growing within higher education. I think right now I would love to be able to teach but also stay in an administrative role. But I don't know if that's forever. I want to be able to write a book on what I'm focusing on in my dissertation about implementing special needs students into higher education and having them successfully complete Mm. a degree. There's such an untapped market for inclusion as far as spec ed goes. Yeah. And uh, since I grew up with that with my mom and I have an uncle that's intellectually disabled and my cousin is deaf, I always felt like there was a need for inclusion because it's so much, you have so much to just say it, but to do it is different. And so there isn't a lot of research on successful completion of a degree. And I feel like that is something that I really want to focus on. I want to write about, I want to explore because I feel like they're just deserving of that at the least, but I don't know yet. I mean, I also want to branch out into YouTube. I want to continue to grow my following on TikTok. I want to continue to do presentations at national conferences, at global conferences. I feel like when you think of higher ed, you tend to think that you have to be this old person, has lived life and seen things. And for me to walk into a room and people to realize, oh, like she's in charge of accounting, that is a whole new world for me. And I want people to see themselves in me, especially that representation of being Hispanic and being in higher ed. That's very irregular. That's rare. So I want my students, especially because we have a high Hispanic population here, to be able to see, hey, she's so young and she's doing this. Maybe I can do something that I don't necessarily see Hispanics doing. That's how it starts. Because I think I had maybe four Hispanic professors and they're all in my doctorate. Yeah, I never saw it in my undergrad or my master's. And I feel like that's sad because Hispanics are 
I think in the trend in higher education in the few years, like we're supposed to be the biggest population in higher ed. We should be represented. We should have people that have shared similar life experiences that you have. Yeah. And they're serving you. That's my goal. Want to change the world? Is that too much to ask? <laughs> oh, it sounds great. And we we mentioned if folks wanted to follow you on TikTok, TikTok they should go to at Professor Accounting. At Professor Accounting, uh, be on the lookout for that profile and the amazing work that Rebecca is doing. You're also at Palo Alto College, which is yep. part of the Alamo system. Can you just talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah, we have an Alamo Colleges District. Essentially, we have five colleges in and around San Antonio, Texas, which is really exciting. So we have like a sister brother system where we have a lot of fellow faculty members that teach various things very similar to us. Like our accounting community is so amazing and I love what they do. We actually have a lot of women in our math department, which I appreciate because we're paired with accounting and math. Yeah. And so it's always inspiring to see like, hey, like they can do this. Okay, maybe I can do this. Yeah. Maybe we can rule the world. Yeah. But yeah, Palo Alto is a completely amazing community, not just with our admin and our fellow faculty, but our staff does so much for us. Rebecca, first off, thanks so much for reaching out. It was great having you on. But as we're wrapping up, if you have any parting thoughts to impart to folks based on the conversation we have, takeaways, things that people might want to chew on, as they head back to the rest of their lives. It does not matter what your age is to do what you want in this world. That should not be an excuse. And I want that for people that are young, but I also want people to understand that if they're older, if they're trying to find their passion, because I feel like this life is way too short to just live normally, live crazy, live outstanding, live excellency, right? Like we want, so much in this life. And I do want so much in this life that I want other people to feel that. And I hope that's what I've conveyed here today. And I hope this is just one of the first of many sessions that people start hearing from me. <laughs> awesome. Great stuff from Rebecca Mendoza, lead faculty in accounting at Palo Alto College in San Antonio. Thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Awesome. And hopefully our listeners enjoyed the conversation. If you did, please subscribe, tell your friends, do all the good things. We'll be back again soon. This is Trending in Education.